Welcome to Health Tech Hustle. We exist to share stories of the brave entrepreneurs helping to solve the most important problems in digital health today. We interview top leaders in health tech and bring them onto our show each week to listen and learn from their story. With your host, Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of Health Tech Hustle. Today I am joined by an awesome guest. He is the CEO and co-founder of Seekster, Mr. Ardi Aryampour. He's the CEO and founder of Seekster, which is an award-winning SaaS healthcare platform that enables organizations to drive efficient healthcare via comprehensive medical records, individual genomic profiles, and personal health device data. Prior to starting Seekster, Artie launched several clinical and consumer-based genetic tests as CCO of Pathway Genomics and SVP of Ambry Genetics that sold to Konica for a billion dollars in 2017. As a key player in the 2013 landmark SCOTUS decision, scrapping gene patents, Artie played an instrumental role in expanding genetic testing access with the launch of BRCA testing, benefiting patients and family members across the country. He was also honored as a 2019 Top 40 Healthcare Transformer and San Diego Business Journal 40 Under 40. And he also earned his bachelor's in biological science from the University of California, Irvine, and an MBA from Marshall Goldsmith School of Management. So awesome introduction. With that being said, Artie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Rodney. Really excited to talk to you about our story and you know, how we got from the bottom to the top and we're still striving to get to the top somewhere. Awesome, awesome. So let's just jump into it. Why don't you uh, give the listeners a little background of who you are other than that introduction and uh, how you actually got into health tech and your position now? Yeah, it all started when I was 16 years old, actually. I was really interested in sciences. My first job was the Salk Institute for Biological Studies, San Diego, growing up in San Diego. I was very fortunate to grow up in a biotech community around innovators, was very inspired by our institutions around the area, especially in La Jolla. And uh, I got my feet wet within research. And then it was all part of, I guess, the plan of combining science with business because business always came much more naturally for me than uh, science did. Science was actually a struggle because there's so much to learn, but business for some reason came much more naturally. And so I wanted to combine, you know, both disciplinaries and in my early twenties, uh, got into uh, next gen sequencing, which was a technology that was changing the DNA sequencing landscape. And then from there had a lot of success and got into, you know, management, became an executive in my late twenties and you know, grew some small startups into some very large enterprises and learned how to earn your stars and scars, I guess, through the process. And I guess the dream was always to create your own company and you don't ever have a plan on how to create your own company. It kind of just happens. You meet certain people along the way. You have various different mentors that try to shine a light on you saying that you need to become an entrepreneur. And my whole family is basically entrepreneurs. And I was always the one that was working at companies and decided to you know, dive deep in uh, January of 2016. And that's when I started Seekster, 
with a couple of friends and we couldn't be more excited that we have now a platform that is uh, backed by Takeda Pharmaceuticals, the top 10 global pharmaceutical company. And um, we've created a very unique platform that puts the person at the center of their healthcare, bringing together all their uh, EHR, DNA, and fitness and medical device data in one place. Nice. And so you started Seek, so you had a science and you had a business background, but you wanted to create something for yourself and create your own business. And what was that turning point, I guess, that kind of tipping point that actually made you want to go out and start something? And can you kind of describe that process? Yeah, you know, dreaming up like a killer business idea is definitely one thing. I was always coming up with various different ideas throughout my whole teens to my 20s and even, uh, you know, early 30s. But then putting the idea into action is a whole different story. And, you know, no one really teaches you how to be an entrepreneur. I think there's certain parts of every individual that has been inspired to be an entrepreneur. Maybe, you know, we look at various different folks within, you know, uh, our own industries or within the world that have been successful being entrepreneurs, naming a few such as, you know, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and Elon Musk and, and these kinds of folks. But when you dig, I guess, deep down on the level of an individual and everyone, I believe, wants to, you know, do something entrepreneurial, it's just how do you actually get there? And a lot of times people ask me even to this day, is it really worth it? And um, my answer is absolutely, because uh, you get to have, you know, obviously financial freedom, you get to call the shots, you're able to uh, work on projects that you love. You really have to have guts and the DNA of nonstop grinding and never be afraid of being turned down to truly dive in. However, with that being said, it's a lot easier said than done. Because you always think that your process is a lot faster than it's going to be. And you do realize once you become more experienced as an entrepreneur, that time definitely can kill deals, but time can also be on your side because good things take a lot of time. Great things can take an enormous amount of time. And it just depends how much time you want to dedicate to your craft. And it really does take a toll on you. People always see the great, you know, awards that you win or maybe the money you raise and, you know, the, the front cover that you're on the magazine and different press releases and things like that. And that stuff is all great. But what people don't see is behind the scenes. What people don't see is how hard it is. What people don't see is the sacrifice. And sometimes when you're in it, you never know if you're able gonna, to exit out of it. Or even sometimes the next day, sometimes you, you actually don't even want to wake up and, and, and do the job. And there's other days where you can't go to sleep because it's so exciting. There's a lot of ups and downs. And I'm sure you've heard that from many entrepreneurs that you've uh, interviewed. Yeah, definitely. And so the one thing that you mentioned just now is the idea of time. And what I want to ask you about is how do you manage your time being a CEO, a founder? And I know you have your hand dipped in so many different things. How do you know what to prioritize and how do you go about that? Whether you're focusing on branding, growth, or building relationships, when it comes to your business, how are you managing your time? 
Yeah. So when you first begin, you think you have a plan and you can kind of stick to that plan. But then once you get involved and depending on, you know, how much activity you actually generate from all those things that you just mentioned, Rodney, it all depends on how flexible and adaptable that person is. And so you learn more, not just about time management or I guess per se, but more about how you can adapt to certain situations, how you can, you know, be a chameleon to certain situations because my days are never the same. And even though my maybe weeks are planned out now, I know tomorrow there's going to be something that's going to derail, you know, two other meetings or whatever project we're working on because things always come up. Someone always contacts with a new opportunity and various different challenges come up as well. And so you have to expect the unexpected and you have to have that mental process down. And you don't learn that overnight. You learn that actually by failing. And you know, if any entrepreneur tells you that they've become successful because they were just, you know, they they're lucky or success, you know, is within their DNA, it's all kind of, you know, BS. It's all about how much you failed before. And I think that the more failures you've had, the better of an entrepreneur you can be because of the fact that you can identify certain obstacles and patterns before they occur. And that's because you fell in certain pitfalls before. So I think that's really important. Nice. And so I know that, like you said, you can have everything planned out, but then something can easily come along and derail your whole game plan. And so as an entrepreneur, at that point, you have to learn how to pivot, right? Kind of go with the flow. But then on the same sense, as an entrepreneur, you're trying to wear many hats. You're trying to handle everything, manage your time. When do you start leveraging other people's time and start putting together a team to try to help delegate certain responsibilities so that you can be the most productive with your time? Yeah, I think you have to do that from, you know, as early as in the process that you can. And every great entrepreneur has a great team. It's not a one-man show. And, you know, it really does fall on a group of individuals. However, that being said, I think you brought up another good point, you know, the fact that you have to identify, you know, when you actually put that team together and for what, and how do you keep that team productive? You have to set certain goals that you actually cannot reach because that's how you keep everyone running actually. So you've set, you know, you put that flag on that hill and you want to pick a hill that's really hard to climb. If the hill is really easy to climb, then you're going to achieve that goal really quickly. And then, you know, you may actually get at burnout faster from achieving than chasing. The key thing to being a successful entrepreneur is actually waking up every day and knowing that you have to hustle. Um, you got to get fired up. You have to get inspired continuously. And you have to figure out how to become kind of a cheerleader of yourself. Because during those dark moments, the only person that can actually pick you up is yourself. And you learn how to do that through the process. And that does take, you know, sometimes 
if not months, years, depending on the entrepreneur. Nice. So it's not a new fact that entrepreneurs constantly fail, right? But that's kind of how you succeed, right? You fail your way to success based off learning and optimizing as you grow. And I think that's what's really powerful behind successful entrepreneurs is that they're able to do that well. And I kind of want to follow up on asking you about your team, because when it comes to Seekster, you have this background in science and business and you have this entrepreneurial mindset. But how did you start going about putting together that team and who did you start with? Yeah, I was really lucky in that regards because uh, my team were folks that you know, I've worked with in the past, we had success in the past together at various different companies and we had certain failures too. So not only did we win together, but we lost together in various different things too. Mm. And so we learned how to go through those ups and downs together. And number one criteria for me in setting up the team at the beginning was to find folks that have different skill sets than myself for the business. So for example, if I was going to be responsible for the business planning and the fundraising, I wouldn't want to bring on another individual that had that same type of skill sets. I wanted to bring on the best technologist as an example or software engineer. They can start building once we bring in the money, right? And I wanted to bring on a highly experienced business development exec that understood the industry, that had contacts within the industry. And so it's like making a fine cocktail. You have to have, I guess, uh, you know, your vodka, the nice lime juice, and really good ice as well. It's not just you know, the juice and the flavoring, right? The type of ice you have within your glass makes that cocktail even better. Even the glass that you put you know, all those ingredients in. So you know, I think it is as simple as that, but I think a couple of key insights for our business at the beginning was I wanted people that were not afraid of certain constraints. I wanted people that understood that this could be a long process, but there could be a huge reward at the end and not just a financial reward, but how do we actually build a legacy now since we had, you know, various different success in our past life? And, uh, you know, that was what was really important is how do we actually dedicate ourselves to a mission and see if we can change the world. And you have to have big lofty goals like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that really helps with, you know, defining the types of folks that you want to surround yourself with. Awesome. So it's really just finding skill sets and people that can complement you and complement your goal. So if you're strong in one aspect, and but you're weak in another area, find people whose strengths are your weaknesses. That way you guys can kind of work together cohesively. And always find people that are smarter than you. If I'm the smartest person at the table in the room, then there's a problem. And I think, you know, you want to you surround yourself around people that are better than you because that's how you're going to get better. And that's how your company is going to get better. Awesome. And so... That's a good segue into the next question is kind of what did you focus on when it comes to your company and it comes to Seekster? What did you focus on as far as growing, growing the business? You know, I think we really focused on, you know, solving a really major problem first. So we identified a problem by accident 
And that was interoperability, which is a you know, 35 billion plus annual ballooning problem in our healthcare, not just in the United States, but definitely globally. But the $35 billion plus number comes just for the United States. So we're in a pandemic now and we have, gosh, you know, a ton of people at home, right? Millions of people at home, or at least trying to stay at home now while everything is kind of reopening and there's certain surges happening because of COVID-19 around the country. But you can see it within health tech where we needed a pandemic for let's say, uh, telemedicine to take off, right? It's taken off because of the pandemic because everyone is at home and intervention for medicine is happening at home. And so I think there's definitely certain categories within our business that the light was uh, shined on early on and then forgotten about until recently because of the way that health technology is helping people during a challenging time. And you'll see a lot of great ideas, I think, come out from this pandemic. But how I relate it to Seekster is we didn't really visualize or we couldn't really even predict, right? No one could have predicted that pandemic would bring technologies like ours front and center. And we're really excited about that. However, when we did start the, the business, I could say, you know, 90% of what we're doing today is pretty much the same. And that's because we went after and fo- laser focused on one problem. Nice. And so it's interesting that you're, you brought up the whole crisis because it's interesting what kind of opportunities are created for the better, even during a time such as the whole COVID-19 crisis. And it's interesting to see how you guys were able to take that opportunity, create an entire software platform based off a reoccurring problem that you've seen to try to offer your solution. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't put ourselves in any box. We kept it really universal. And that was what was really key, too, because we had a relentless focus on how do we actually grow the business and how do we grow the platform itself. Nice. So can we kind of speak on some of the strategies and tools and resources that you kind of use to grow the platform in general? Yeah. What really was our secret sauce is we started with the person first. And a lot of people building these kinds of platforms always you know, try to do pro- provider to provider or payer to payer. And we saw that and we were doing a lot of research on, okay, how do we actually change the paradigm here. You know, if we have a lot of smart engineers on our team who know how to build sophisticated platforms and things like that, that's great. But instead of, you know, engineers building the platform, which obviously they should, why not start first with the patient? And so that's what we did completely differently than anyone out there. And we are the first company to build a patient or person-centric interoperability platform that can bring together your UCSF you know, data with your Sutter Health data, with your UCSD data, to your MD Anderson data, to your 23andMe data, to your Fitbit watch data, and your Dexcom CGM device. And, you know, as a health tech person yourself, you understand how hard it is 
to bring all those different types of disparate data sources together. And so we started with the person, the patient, and from there, we learned a lot about what not to do and also what they would like us to do. And the research project internally at Seekster basically turned out to be our end product. Nice. And so it's interesting that you say that because I think what's very powerful here is that you really started with your customer, your target audience, your avatar, whatever it is that you want to put a term on it. And you really just understood them, what they wanted, what they didn't want, and just understood the mind of how they would think. And then went and created the platform that would attract them. And so another question I have is, how did you go about, once you determined who your target audience was, how did you go about reaching them and attracting them to your platform? Yeah, so that was a whole nother accident. So we definitely thought that once we do that, maybe we can get you know millions of people to utilize the platform. And we were thinking, okay, we would have to raise, obviously, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to do that marketing. Marketing is always a huge expenditure for any type of consumer type play. And so we are thinking, okay, how can we come up with a business model that would actually work? And that was another accident, right? One accident led to another accident, led to another accident, and it all kind of worked out. I started giving a lot of uh, a keynote talks at various different conferences that I got the wonderful opportunity to not only demo the platform, but talk about our story and you know, show the platform. And within these conferences, there would be you know, innovators and physicians and top tier folks um, and a lot of folks just like yourself that are interested in, in health tech. And a lot of the business folks within enterprises and companies were there. And so they would start talking to us afterwards and they'd come up to me after my presentations saying, you know, we really would love this sort of platform for our business. How do we, you know, work with you guys? And so from there, you know, we had, gosh, dozens of opportunities in taking our platform to the B2B enterprise. And that's where we really hit it out of the park. And then, you know, just about six months ago, we were backed by Takeda Pharmaceuticals as an investment. Awesome. And so what I'm hearing is that the fact that you created a platform, an all-in-one platform to collect these patient, to collect and hold patient data so that they can share it with whoever, whenever, that's what's very powerful and what sets you guys apart and attracts not only the patients, but other providers as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it took us a couple years to get nationwide coverage. We have 3,700 hospitals almost integrated inside the platform, over 150,000 small doctor offices and clinics. And when enterprises you know, try out our platform, they see how in moments' time we're able to bring together all this data. And another thing is that you know, a lot of companies out there talk about doing kind of the same thing. The difference is they're using various different technologies and there's various different problems with other platforms where they're kind of shell companies where at Seekster, we've built it all organically. There's no third-party software within our code or within our platform. And that is something that the enterprises love because it's a SaaS solution that could get plugged in 
and be launched within, you know, 24 to 48 hours. Awesome. And so you kind of mentioned on like your business model a little earlier, but we know that Seekster, your platform is technically a SaaS, but it's in the healthcare industry. And I know healthcare SaaS is a little different than the traditional SaaS that you see on the market. So can you kind of speak to your experiences of creating a SaaS company in the healthcare market? So in business, everyone calls it SaaS, as you know, because it's software as a service. I actually think it's um, digital health as a service, really. That's what it really is. And so right now, every single company out there is looking for a digital health solution. And that could be even folks that are not in healthcare, but want to provide digital health solutions for, let's say their employees, or they want to provide it to their members, if you're part of an insurance group or, or whoever. Obviously, if you're a provider, you, you want to provide the best digital health solution for the, your patients. And if you're a pharmaceutical company, uh, you want to do the same for clinical trials and things like that. And so our platform really fits within all of those types of segments because of the way it was built, number one. And number two, the main problem it solves by breaking down those data silos, which these businesses are number one interested in, and their customers are also interested in, whether that be a patient, a member, a user, or whoever. And so we are able to, with Seekster, kill a couple birds with one stone. And that is what's really nice with our SaaS platform. How it really differs within health tech is the fact that we become the Intel inside for various different businesses. Oh, okay. Because of all the data that you guys have in your platform, correct? And then you're able to use that for them. Yeah, it's the access to the data that we have, right? We've basically piped out the nation to all of the, 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 the medical record data, to the DNA data, to the medical device data, wearable data. It's all of it underneath the sun, basically. Nice, nice. Okay, now it's starting to make a little more sense to me because on one end, you have the actual consumers, the patients, and you're tracking and keeping all of their data on your platform. And then on the other end, you have the providers who want access to that data. And so you as a business are focusing on one, attracting the patients so you can have more and more data accumulated on your platform so that it attracts more and more providers who are going to want to access the data because they see that it's valuable data. <laughs> right. So if you're familiar with like salesforce.com, we're basically the salesforce.com for healthcare. Oh, okay. That's, That's the easiest way to think of it with a consumer look and feel. Awesome. Awesome. So you kind of mentioned how you guys are backed by this big pharmaceutical company, but I kind of want to go back on your journey from concept to inception to growth of the company. It hasn't all been rainbows and flowers, right? There's got to be some struggles that you have faced, especially as an entrepreneur. So can we kind of touch on some obstacles and challenges that you faced as the CEO and the founder of your, your company and how you're able to overcome them? Yeah, look, there's no shortcuts, right? And every entrepreneur, including myself, starts businesses thinking, 
you're going to have this shortcut to explosion of growth. And there's no such thing, right? So I think you are your worst enemy and you are also your best champion. And you can only learn through the process. And everyone's process is different because they all start different businesses and different obstacles and challenges come for that entrepreneurial journey. And you can't ever predict what's going to happen. But one thing that I think looking back that you know we're really lucky and and I guess not taking is when entrepreneurs come up with a business, they need to capitalize the business. And the biggest challenge is actually money. And you're either really good at raising money or you know, you're not so good at raising money. There's no kind of in-between thing. So you either raise your money and you get going on your seed, I guess, idea, or um, it takes forever. For us, because we had a track record before and I had some great contacts that were interested in investing in our team, we were able to raise funds pretty quickly. But one thing we did learn is it's not about how much money you raise. It's about what you do with that money. Mm. And how do you bootstrap, even if you raise millions of dollars, to building best technology? And you have to take you know, major, major sacrifices there, right? And our team was able to do that. And that's why our platform is so great. It's not because we raised millions of dollars. And it's, it's because how we actually put those millions of dollars into work from the day one of you know, bringing in that money, as well as we were very cognitive of what money not to take at the beginning, right? And so a lot of people were you know, rushing to myself, wanting to write certain checks but it would come with certain strings attached. And so the key thing is raise money from people that believe in yourself and in your team, as well as in your mission, and that can be there for the long run for you. So we're on, since we're on the topic of raising money, is that like your main focus early on? Or at what, at what stage of your business are you focused more on raising money compared to all the other business stuff that you have to focus on, whether it's your marketing or attracting the right buyers and patients to your platform? Yeah, for sure. At the beginning, you have to be focused on raising money because you need to build a product. Now, if you have some sort of MVP built early on without much money, because you have certain folks around that are you know, working on sweat equity or whatever the scenario is for, for that business, um, you can get certain things done. But to really get a customer within health tech or digital health, you have to have a product that works, obviously, and a product that works for that business. And that does take time. It's different than wanting to be in the energy sector or, I don't know, the defense sector or, or any other, other business verticals. But health tech in general, definitely, there's a big return on your investments. And obviously, um, there's lots of rewards within the process, but it does take certain type of capital to build a product or a combination of having a team that can actually withstand and, like I said, uh, make time their friend and not their enemy. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So 
One more question before we kind of end on the last exercise. You kind of been given a lot of great, valuable insights throughout this entire interview, really. But what one piece of advice would you have for other entrepreneurs looking to start their own company within health tech? I think there's one advice for me um, that I would give is be authentic and be yourself. And you will go really far. It is very important. I think you have to know who you are and you should not be someone that you're not because it will speak for your product. And if you're really authentic, if you really believe in what you're doing, your product and your team and, and everything else will actually do better too. Nice. Awesome. Being authentic, being transparent with your intentions. I like it. <laughs> cool. So we've been talking a lot about your journey as an entrepreneur, a little bit about Seekster, a lot about Seekster and how you're able to grow the company and the different types of people and teams you had in place to help grow. So now I kind of want to end on a little more lighter exercise, something I call the rapid fire round, where I'll ask you a couple questions and you kind of just give me whatever answer you come up with. Okay. Cool. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite book of all time? Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Awesome. Who is the most influential person in your life or career? I'd say my dad. What is one goal you want to accomplish this year? I would say nailing the next big customer for Seekster and working on some extraordinary opportunities that can help group of population of folks. So really excited about, you know, what's ahead of us. And if we can get over the finish line here, it'll be a win-win situation for everyone. Awesome. Awesome. And then last one, what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? I would say, don't worry about the future. I wish when I was younger, I didn't worry about my future as much. Awesome. Well, that's the end of today's podcast. First off, I just want to thank you one more time, Artie, for just jumping on and sharing your story, sharing what you've been doing and working on over at Seekster and just kind of giving us some awesome insights into your experience in the health tech industry. Thanks so much, Rodney. It was great being on your uh, podcast and we're always ready to hustle. So I uh, look forward to uh, hearing more stories from you too. Definitely, definitely. So one more thing before you leave, where can people find you, learn more about Seekster? Anything you want to promote? Go ahead. Yeah, um, they can just go on Seekster.com. That's S-E-Q-S-T-E-R.com. And uh, they can read all about our platform. And, and if they want to get in touch with me personally, I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me by just putting in my name, Artie Ariampour there. And we're, we're also on, obviously, Twitter. It's at Seekster if you want to follow us. Thanks so much and uh, appreciate your time. Awesome. That ends today's episode. Catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Health Tech Hustle with Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Tune in next week for another interview with an expert leader in digital health.